Hello, and welcome to Bridgeford Trust Company's Delivering Direction and Control podcast series. Our podcast series is designed to educate, challenge, and inspire listeners while keeping you updated on developments regarding modern trust law and powerful planning opportunities available, all in an effort to deliver direction and control to clients and their advisors. This is David Warren. Welcome back to our podcast series uh, and our conversation with Joe Kellogg, who, of course, is a partner and head of wealth planning for We Family Offices. And in the second part of our conversation with Joe, we're going to hit on uh, mandatory information disclosure regimes like CRS and FATCA and the newly implemented Corporate Transparency Act. And we're going to talk some more about data leaks and how to keep information safe and really how to provide asset protection and privacy uh, in a transparent world uh, through using Know Your Customer Procedures. Um, and then we're going to transition towards the end to a, an important conversation, uh, not only for Joe and the work he does at WE, but also for Bridgeford and how we serve our clients, which is uh, how important jurisdiction selection is in the planning process, whether that's uh, domestic or international. So enjoy episode two with my interview with Joe Kellogg. And, you know, all of these systems, of course, uh, are, are designed to, to, again, as I said, protect the industry, uh, protect against nefarious activities and uh, and so, you know, certainly intellectually, we embrace them. Certainly at Bridgeford, we embrace them. And I know they do it. We do it. You do it. We as well. But then you have, you know, a, a, the development of data leaks, right? So you, you mentioned that earlier, um, the, the data leaks are certainly a paramount concern. And I, I remember the first one, and maybe there was more before that, but the first one I was acutely aware of was the Panama Papers, because I actually happened to be in Panama when it happened. I was at a, speaking at a conference. And you know, it, it, in my mind, it ushered in a whole new error of, uh, you know, how safe is this information? And when I say this information, the information that's collected and gathered by law firms and banks, uh, you know, either before or after the CRS regimes and FATCA and all these other things that are coming. And Panama Papers really opened my eyes to how precarious this information is and how dangerous it is if it's leaked. And so we all know that story, um, and there's even a movie made about it. But then, then the, the you know Pandora, or rather Panama Papers, point oh or point two oh or whatever I'm trying to say there, Joe, you're with me, I'm sure, is this Pandora Papers, right? Which was even more salacious, um, but probably reported in a misleading way. But but let's talk about data leaks, but, uh, Joe. I mean, I don't know, maybe the Pandora or the Panama Papers rather wasn't the first, but but that's a real problem, right? I mean, you know, we have one, we have two competing interests: protecting the industry, protecting you know, our laws and making sure we're not dealing with bad people. So we gather this information, but but how do we keep it safe and, and outside of the public realm? Because there's disastrous consequences if that happens. So comment on that, Joe, for me. Thanks, David. Um, I think to begin with, what I'd like to do is comment uh, or repeat uh, a point that I made earlier on that, you know, in today's day and age, we, uh, I think, should expect that you know anything that we do uh, could potentially uh, come to public light to to public you know out there on the internet kind of uh, exposure, and it, it reinforces the need for doing uh, planning uh, the right way with great uh, advisors, lawyers trustees. So just make sure I'm not against aggressive planning, you know, but it's got to be within the rules and done properly because we have to expect whether it's 
through a system of interchange of information uh, between governments, you know, following a protocol, or whether it's by theft of uh, of data, it's it's going to get out there. I think there's more information out there today uh, through theft of information than from the official channels of uh, governments, you know, sharing financial information. Right. So at that point, you know, I think it needs to be established. Things have to be done the right way to begin with. Um, what uh, I think for me is a bit shocking, uh, uh, you know, having been educated and brought up in the U.S. legal system is, uh, you know, if we're talking about respect for the rules, uh, you know, the disclosure of information to the public, uh, information that was sourced by theft, right, that this was private data and then it can be put out there uh, in the public and then used for prosecutions, you know, that doesn't really work within the U.S. uh, legal system that well, but it seems to that part of the whole uh, uh, data leaks uh, phenomenon, uh, I think it doesn't get that much attention. And that, for me, that's a little bit shocking, you know, that mm-hmm. this information actually was sourced from, uh, from theft. Notwithstanding, that seems to be generally accepted today. Uh, and so families and, you know, people and companies have to deal with that. Um, there's been, you had mentioned a couple of the bigger leaks. I mean, these things go back I remember, I don't know, 15 more years of uh, data leak information about what's going on. And it exposed a lot of wrongdoing. Uh, and, uh, and those people should, you know, pay the, the price for that. Um, but um, some of these more recent, especially in the more recent exposures of data, it seems to me it's not so much that the people were, uh, involved were doing anything illegal, especially with the Pandora Papers. Right. They, Absolutely. They, they were, you know, setting up structures legitimately. They weren't breaking any laws. Mm-hmm. But there seems to be an uh, insinuation that there must be something wrong because it was private, you know. Um, and I think that is kind of an image that needs to be dispelled, that just because it's private doesn't mean there's something wrong. Or just because they weren't paying taxes currently, well, it was probably because they were doing it correctly within the law, so they, they were deferring taxation in a proper way. So I don't think that part of the story gets told uh, enough. And I think that's exactly right. I mean, I know you and I share a common passion around it, which was another reason why I wanted to interview you. I, I think that um, it, to me, it's like a chess game. As long as you're following the rules correctly, and you and and you follow the rules that we and I follow, we follow the rules of Bridgeford, and you're doing KYC. You know, it's 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 it, we're, it's okay. It's legal. It's not tax evasion, and, and it's not uh, and it's not secrecy. It's privacy and it's tax planning, and are two very different concepts. And and just a comment. I mean, I think you hit the the proverbial nail right on the head there, where you said you know, in, in particularly in the Pandora Papers. I mean, even the Washington Post and New York Times after multiple paragraphs and had to concede that there really wasn't a single instance of, of wrongdoing or criminal activity. So what you have is, is a salacious release of information that sells newspapers 
and that's misreported. And and I think most offensive to those of us in the industry who think we're doing and know we're doing the right thing for our clients, it casts people like Joe and, and we and Bridgeford and David Warren and all the professionals we work with around the world. Somehow we're bad actors because we're following the rules and doing good planning and legal planning for our families. And that that is when, to me, uh, it crossed into being um, uh, professionally offensive. And, and I found that we were put on the defensive, Joe, to to defend what it is that we do. And I'm very proud of what, of what it is that we do, because I think we do exceptional work utilizing the most progressive trust laws on the planet. And so, you know, speak to that. I mean, did you have you found yourself having to defend your your vocation because of some of these leaks and some of the presumptions of, 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 of nefarious activity? Well, um, not it hasn't really been direct. Um, I haven't experienced direct attacks. I, one point I do want to make, though, David, is you know I, I I don't want to lightly rush over the reality that there is a lot of corruption, mm-hmm. a lot of embezzlement, a lot of wrongdoing going out there using, you know, these types of companies and trusts and jurisdictions, stuff like that. It's a real problem and it does need to be addressed. Um, But I don't think, you know, theft of information and putting it out there in the public is necessarily going to be the best way to fix that problem or address that problem uh, in the long term, because it's, it's attacking, it's arguably breaking some laws. You're, you're, you know, if it's theft, uh, and it's not respecting people's privacy. And I, I think we need to apply more of our, you know, the great thinkers out there to come up with other ways to address the corruption. I mean, there's some of these organizations that have um, what do they call it, the uh, uh, corruption indexes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, those types of things. What can we do to make sure that there's transparency in how business is done uh, and uh, these flows of money to ensure that uh, that things are done properly and legitimately without, you know, uh, going in and uh, hacking into systems and, and stealing information. So I think um, it's important for us to recognize that this is a real problem. We have to come up with different creative solutions for addressing it, but uh, but not necessarily through theft of, uh, uh, of this uh, private data. Yeah, and it's, it's really well said. And I think, but isn't part of the solution effective KYC? And that stands for Know Your Customer for those who, who don't like acronyms. You know, I know we has very stringent and careful KYC requirements. We certainly do. That's prescribed by the Division of Banking in South Dakota. And I, I will say, you know, just from my experiences, you know, I was, I was foolish enough, Joe, to actually having had, had practiced law for a while. So you took the, the you, you made the right move and never practiced. So good, good for you. Um, but I, I remember, you know, in some of these early stages of, of presumption, presumptive thought of bad actors being involved with hiding money and not paying their taxes and, and so on and so forth. Well, then maybe some of that blame fell on trust companies and banks and, and lawyers and family offices who weren't doing proper KYC, because if the KYC is done properly and you're doing world checks and you're doing uh, source of fund checks and you're getting utility bills and all the things, Joe, that you and I work together to get for our mutual clients, you know, I mean, a lot of that problem is solved just by doing your homework and not taking shortcuts and just onboarding a client because they're going to pay you a big fee. And, and I think I really like where the industry has gone 
uh, particularly in South Dakota, where they they're honest. And I know you're under, I mean, you're you're regulated by a different entity, but but you 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 I know you take it seriously. And we've talked a lot about it. So to me, that's one of the biggest solutions if, if we can keep people in our industry following <laughs> proper KYC protocol. I think that solves a lot of the problem, in my view. But I'd love your thoughts on it. That, no, I think it, it has largely been addressed by a lot by the the s- substantial players in the field, uh, you know, with the know your client rules, uh, you know, very uh, diligent uh, investigations into the current owners, uh, where they're tax resident, uh, the source of their funds. It's uh, in fact, it's it's almost uh, brutally uh, administrative, <laughs> you know, the, the bureaucracy it takes to get that. In fact. There's a business opportunity there for somebody to come up with the system because really good advisors are spending an inordinate amount of their time, you know, just making sure that they get this updated uh, proof of current address. Uh, and, it, and it, you know, it doesn't need to be that way. It should be time should be spent on, 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 on other things. But it is a substantial part of uh, the business now of financial services, especially uh, when we're uh, crossing borders, working with families uh, that are in different jurisdictions uh, and that have assets in different jurisdictions and their structures in another jurisdiction, um, uh, yeah, because it's not a perfect world of flow of information. So that that provision of information is a substantial part of uh, of the industry now, and it's and that is a good trend, I think. Yes. No, I agree completely. And it, as difficult as it is, we, we embrace it at Bridgeford. And you're right. It takes a lot of Bridgeford time, uh, but we, you know, it needs to be done and it's, we need to be good actors and players in our own, our own industry. Well, I want to transition to, to uh, the question of jurisdiction. You know, we, we talked about maybe the evolution of why the U.S. became a jurisdiction of choice, um, although it went back farther than I realized. Well, thanks for educating me on that. But, you know, I always say when we do presentations is sort of the, the decision as to where to place a trust is almost as important as the decision to create a trust in the first place. It's a quote I found somewhere. Somebody said that that was really smart years ago. And I believe in that. That's a big driver for Bridgeford. So for you, Joe, when you're talking to a family, and I know a lot of your work, most of your work is with international, but not exclusively, you know, what are you looking for when you begin a planning process? What, 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 do, you, what do you need out of a jurisdiction? What, what, or, or maybe another way to ask it is what is most important to the families you work with? And, and what drives you to make a decision to use a, a South Dakota or Crooks Island or Channel, whatever, or Guernsey, Jersey? I mean, all of these, you have all these tools, right? All these jurisdictional tools to you globally. What are the drivers? Help, help me and help the listeners understand what, what they should be thinking about when they're choosing a, a jurisdiction. Uh, thanks, David. I think where we start is what are the family's goals, right? So, what are the drivers? It's what the family is hoping to achieve, and we're usually uh, advocates, uh, and the families usually want to have uh, as much control as possible, right? Keeping in mind uh, the whether or not there's tax drivers involved in who has what powers in the trust, you know, for the most part, what we're looking for is uh, some uh, uh, a, a reliable system that will help the family achieve what their goals are, retaining as much control as possible, but with the assurance that uh, if something goes wrong, there's a responsible fiduciary, right? A regulated fiduciary in place 
to uh, to keep the momentum, the uh, the existence of this plan in place. Um, and that's why I'm thrilled that working with the United States jurisdictions uh, is becoming more and more common because we've got great trust laws in this country. Um, and uh, how do we choose? I mean, the, there's a lot of similarity between uh, jurisdictions on the United States that have adopted the uh, the directed trust concept yeah. mm-hmm. um, uh, where, you know, all kinds of control can be uh, retained. Uh, and for me, you know, amongst uh, the states uh, that have such laws, you know, we've got some families working with Delaware, some with Wyoming, some with Nevada, uh, one with New Hampshire, uh, but a lot of them with South Dakota. And one of the things that I like about South Dakota, especially, is one, great laws, but there's a professional infrastructure in place in the state that uh, is outstanding. I mean, the choices of fiduciaries, of trust services, uh, and lawyers, you know, that can assist. You know, it's not like one or two uh, trust companies and lawyers to get stuff done. It's like if if I don't like working with Bridgeford or I don't like working with uh, City or, or whoever in South Dakota, I got another couple dozen really good, you know, fiduciaries in that state uh, to get things done. And lawyers now that uh, can draft sophisticated trust uh, instruments. Um, uh, and, and it's surprising, right? You wouldn't ex- necessarily expect that from uh, a state out in the middle of the uh, the country. Right. No, I completely agree. To me, I always say this too. I, you know, when I was in law school, I did not like trust in the states um, at all. I thought it was boring and stodgy and I, I hated the classes. But then, you know, I ended up growing, grow up to own a, a South Dakota trust company for the reasons you said. I mean, it's a dynamic and exciting industry. You know, I, when, when we did your introduction, we, we mentioned We Family Office is where you are now and you've been along there a long time. And I know you're, you're part of the, part of the, Leadership there, and uh, and I think if I recall correctly, you're you're the lead planner for for the whole organization, which I understand is based both not only in Miami but in New York. Um, and I, I'm focusing on the family office part of we, but but could you first describe who we is? <laughs> it's kind of a funny way of saying that. Who we family office is, <laughs> and then uh, and then let's define what a family office is. I mean, you've been on some panels. We were on a panel together about this topic. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm still amazed uh, 10 years or 12 years into Bridgeford, how many different definitions and perceptions of what is a family office. So first, if you could tell the listeners who is we family office, what, what do they stand for? And let's get into your, your definition of what a family office is, because I think that's a great way to end our conversation, uh, because it really kind of encapsulates all the work, great work that you do and all the great work that we does around the, the around the world in, in terms of all these topics, but you do it in the framework of a family office. So please, Joe, enlighten us all on, on all of the questions I've just asked. All right. Thanks. That's no small <laughs> task. Well, it's a compound, compound question. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, let, let's keep it simple. Well, first, uh, WE Family Offices, uh, WE stands for Wealth Enterprise. Uh, our idea is that, you know, a family office uh, is uh, is there to help the family run their wealth enterprise. You know that they have this wealth and run it like a business, like an enterprise, um, and to have staff to support them towards that end. But taking a step back, um, the families we work with, and we work with both domestic uh, U.S. families and international families. We're about half half now. 
Um, these families have a lot of assets. They have a lot of stuff going on and there's so much stuff. They need some help tracking it. Right. So a lot of what we do is just making sure that all of these moving parts are tracked and that we provide a really robust month to month, uh, consolidation of information for them to track what's going on. And with that information, we sit down with them, uh, and present the information so that they can make decisions on whether they keep moving forward the same way or they make some adjustments, uh, including with the, uh, the investments, uh, the, you know, like portfolio or the different types of investments that they have, uh, based upon the information that they have. And we do it in a way where we don't do any financial products. You know, we're not selling any, uh, uh, financial products that we would have a financial conflict of interest. We just do this, uh, fixed annual fee that's, you know, uh, that's not based in any kind of commissions or anything like that. It's only paid by the families so that when they're making their decisions or we're giving them advice that we're not conflicted uh, financially. So it's, it's more about producing good information, uh, giving them unconflicted advice. And then where I sit down is uh, the wealth planning part is talk to them about what's in their head, about succession planning, uh, see what they have on paper. And if there's any gaps between what's in their head and what's on paper, then we get ourselves organized uh, so that when we get back over to their lawyers and trustees and accountants, uh, we use their time more efficiently because most of those people charge by the hour. So we yeah. try to you know, use them uh, more efficiently. And ideally, that's a win-win situation because the lawyers don't like spending time uh, you know, coming up with plans with partial information. So they, they actually usually appreciate that. But, so it's information, it's uh, advice. It's uh, facilitating uh, the setup and ongoing maintenance of, of the structures, uh, but it's it's more this advisory role. We don't do any of the um, the fiduciary services or the legal or the tax complaints. They need all those other people. We operate just as uh, facilitators of uh, getting the information together so that they are empowered in making decisions with working with those. And that's how we work. You know, there's other family offices that work differently. And uh, what a family really needs, it's going to depend on what their wealth enterprise looks like. Uh, there's no legal definition of what a family office needs to be. Uh, the concept exists in securities laws as a type of organization that's exempt from, uh, uh, from compliance or regulation from the SEC. Um, but... Uh, uh, but it's not uh, it's not well known who fits into that because if you do fit within it, then you're exempt from registering. There's not a registry of those types of family yeah. offices. So it's um, by definition, uh, what is a family office? I couldn't tell you. You could see how <laughs> they operate. You can see how different organizations operate. Um, but uh, in my mind, what uh, a good way for a family to uh, to uh, think about having a family offices, what do they need so that they can organize their wealth uh, on an ongoing basis with good information so that they are empowered to make decisions? Sure.
That's that's great. You know, I, I, we chuckle. I know you and I over the years that sliding <clears> or <throat> not sliding. I guess it's an often evolving definition of what is a family office, and I think that's a great way to, to sort of to, to to wrap up. I mean, Joe, I, I can't tell you enough how much it's been great, to, how great it's been over the years to to work with you. I have learned a lot from you and your leadership in various organizations, not just Step, but Cuba Scheme Bar Association and. Virtually every organization all over Miami, I think you either started or led at one point or another. So uh, you, you you are giving, you know, not only are you a tremendous practitioner, but uh, but you give back a lot to the community, uh, particularly in Key Biscayne, and that's that's very impressive. And so you're a good professional and you're a good person, which doesn't always go hand in hand with people. So I really appreciate you being part of the, the podcast um, and all you've done to uh, to teach us different. And talk about, I mean, different topics today. Um, so as we um, as we as we wrap up, I promised you it was going to be less than four hours, so we're we're just under that. But uh, is there anything you'd like to uh, like to share before we uh, before we let you go to a holiday weekend? Uh, well, just that uh, it has been a pleasure uh, knowing uh, you, David, and working with you and your team at Bridgeford. And congratulations! I think you guys have a a tremendous uh, organization um, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, Joe. And thanks again for joining us. And certainly uh, to look at Joe's background, uh, his, his bio will be attached to this. And uh, if you have specific questions about anything international or domestic in the planning arena, please contact Joe and take a close look at we. Uh, they are doing impressive work and, and important work. And, and I think that's a good way to end. I mean, I think we're all very proud of the industry that we serve, despite some negative press recently. And it's great to be partnering with Joe. So thanks again, Joe, and uh, have a great weekend. Thanks, David. Thanks again for listening to Bridgeford Trust Company's Delivering Direction and Control podcast series. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to keep posted on when new episodes are added. And for more information, you can visit us online at bridgefordtrust.com.